0: Yeah, I can hear you. Maybe just don't breathe like a fucking donkey and you'll be fine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, Ocean's Eleven. I'm Gav.
2: I'm Alex. I'm Joel.
1: I'm Dave. I'm Austin.
3: And I'm Dave well done team number two uh
1: yeah and just like oceans 11 are we in or are we out and because this is an audio podcast and any visual footage of us is filmed from the waist up you'll never know <laughs> it's a penis joke there everybody just in case you didn't get it because it's quite subtle uh now seriously though if you've never heard the show before then hold on to your chips because we're about to roll the dice <sighs> Does, does that make sense? I mean, I don't really know how it casinos It make operate. sense.
0: It's just not funny. let dice in the casino.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like, I mean, the only time I've ever been into a casino is when uh, Captain Dave, Alex, and I were drunk we and went into one on a night out on the way home because we were hungry. And they said that they'd give us free cheese toasties if we placed a So They did. They did. They
3: did. They, did.
4: <laughs> they kept up their side of the bargain. Well, <laughs> they did.
1: And uh, I think uh, Alex and I came away uh, in the black. We, we did came away with the fifty p profit, didn't we? And David yeah, yeah. nice lost about two hundred quid. <laughs>
3: Thereabouts.
1: Thereabouts. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, but essentially, we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. There's also a whole host of other hilarious shenanigans to keep you entertained, including caption contests, a quiz, some questionable impressions, some awful xylophone playing, and a whole lot of banter. So do stick around. Now, this film, uh, this week's film on trial, is the 2001. Heist, caper, Ocean's Eleven—is it Rat Pack or is it Rat Droppings? Uh, so I didn't—I didn't write anything for that. I completely forgot. I've just ad-libbed it, and you can was tell. that. Is that just off the top of your head? It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. It was, yeah, yeah thanks. I, mean, I I thought it was awful, but I mean, I, I, I mean, that just goes to show how bad my written jokes must be, if you thought know, that one was impressive. Anyway, uh, just to say this will be a very spoilerific episode, so if you haven't seen Ocean's Eleven yet, check it out. It is free on Netflix, if you pay for Netflix, uh, or it's available uh, for about £2.50 on Amazon Prime. Or what you could do is just watch the original 1960 version, but two times... Uh, slower than the normal speed so all the characters appear to have no personality any job either way you can just listen to this episode after you've watched the film or you can just trust our judgments alternatively you can fast forward to our quiz this week brought to us by the lovely joel which will come in around the 40 odd minute mark we reckon uh, now, before we go on, uh, our last film on trial was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, I don't, on, what I a water film. <laughs> I, d- I don't have a turtle sound a effect. I, obviously, do you have a sound effect that's uh, better than, than that? Uh, one that encapsulates Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Cowabunga! Yeah. That was good. Yeah, it's alright, yeah. It's all, I mean, it wasn't great, but anyway. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> what we should say is that Alex judged that trial and he deemed that the film should be placed on the hit list amazingly uh, it turned out that we all thought the film was absolute shite uh, so it'll be interesting to see if Alex reckons he made the right call or not what do you reckon Alex
2: no I was tricked I was just <laughs> lying to and I was tricked throughout the entire episode I, uh, you really got me excited and I was like really looking forward to being transported back to my childhood <laughs> I think with the exact words I wasn't at all I was extremely disappointed and, uh, I was really sad so thanks guys well, wait, well, uh, I, stick, uh,
5: I stick with it being the best title film of the 90s
2: <laughs> <laughs> i still say that's true but maybe I shouldn't have based my entire judgement on that <laughs>
1: uh, Okay, well, so moving on um, onto the bulk of the show this week's film, as mentioned before, is Ocean's Eleven
0: Um hear <coughs> that? Yeah, we can, but what is it?
1: So, Viva Las Vegas by Elvis Presley. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of, course, of course
1: it was. Yeah, I think that, that's the only song i played with all the right notes. and You don't even get it right. I don't know why I bothered to be honest. Absolutely philistines. Anyway, uh, this film wasn't picked out of the hat at random as per usual, but it was instead picked in a moment of panic by me at the end of last week's episode when I realised that we didn't have another film lined up. Uh, and this was recommended to me uh, on Netflix for some reason. I have just realised as well that we don't have another film lined up at the end of this episode, so it'll probably have to redo the exact same thing. Uh, Anyway, uh, all of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random, so in defence and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be Alex and Dave. Now, Alex is a bit like Chin Xiaobo. Uh, His character's Yen. He's good at PE, and we all actively ignore everything that he says. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, thought, I thought I'd give the bald jokes a bit of a rest, Alex. You know, I don't want to over the button.
2: Thanks. Uh, I mean, I wish I'd <laughs> brought it up, but thanks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and Dave's, uh, Dave is just like John Cheadle's basher tar. He's got a very memorable voice, but a very unmemorable everything else. <laughs> ah! sorry, Dave. Uh, I always feel feel really bad when I say something bad about Dave, because he's he's quite nice, whereas the rest of you are horrible. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list will be me and Joel. Now, I'm a bit like Carl Reiner's Saul Bloom. At times, I look like a reanimated corpse. And Joel is just like Eddie... Jameson's Livingston. He's great with computers, but he looks like he should be on the sex offenders register. (laughs) (laughs) Just like real court advocates, we'll be making the best case for our roles. These may or may not be our real opinions, So, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear our real thoughts, which means this week, Ozzy will be playing the judge. Uh, And Ozzy is a little bit like Elliot Gould's Ruben Tishkov. He always dresses like a pimp. And the only reason (laughs) he's in the gang is to bankroll all of us. (laughs) Um, Now, Ozzy must decide which list the film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion. Uh, Now, Ozzy, is this one of the 24 films that you have seen before? No. Oh, that's good then. Okay, so Ozzy won't have any opinion on this. I've not seen
5: this one and I've not seen the one with the the, the remake either. Have you seen any of the other ones? Have you
1: seen a a, a film with uh, Ocean in the title? um i
5: have seen finding nemo
1: that's about an ocean
5: okay, i've not seen uh, any film about the ocean i've not seen any of the ocean
1: franchise okay well uh, it, it's, it's sort of like finding nemo but with uh, without a plot uh, now uh, just to say that we'll also be joined by our good friend uh, big dave uh oh. dave version 2.0 uh, I haven't written anything about you here, so off the cuff. Dave is just like Julia Roberts' character. He's here for the eye candy, and uh, he may end up being completely pointless. We'll find out
3: later. I've <laughs> <laughs> uh, got a face for him,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, Now, uh, before we get started, uh, I think we should give the listeners a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is about. So let us spin the Wheel of Impressions. So here we read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. This week, it has landed on Big Dave, of all Yay. people. Uh, sure. so, Dave, you've got to read out the synopsis of the film, uh, which can be found on IMDb, if you look looking for it. Probably should have told you beforehand. Gotta be uh, sure. Now we just decide how you should read it out. Uh, it's got, anybody? To be got to be Don Cheadle,
3: Cheadle. <laughs> got to
1: okay. be Don Cheadle <laughs> okay. I, was, I was thinking to myself before this would be a really uh, difficult one to pick a distinguished voice from but then I completely forgot of oh, course <laughs> yeah, Don Cheadle
3: if, if, uh, if any voice stands out in this film it is you know, for good or worse <laughs> it's Don Cheadle's so uh, just give me one second I'll give you, oh, I'll give you a, where are we we're just on plot summary IMDB yeah yeah, yeah. Ooh, all right, okay, your um, worst accent? Okay, let me just get into uh, get into character. I'm Don Cheadle, I'm, um, I think I'm better than everyone else in the film, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oh, you bloody wankers, a ragtag group of oh, blummin' con artists and ex-cons team up for the highest to end all heists in this high-profile remake of the 1960s Rat Pack favourite. You know what, actually, I think I'm doing an actual copy accent. I think you're doing it better. <laughs> <good. laughs>
1: <You're always laughs> it's Don Cheadle. a hell of a lot better than Don Cheadle.
3: <laughs> As with... I'll just do it in a Cockney accent then, because... Uh, as with its predecessors, Ocean's Eleven opens with its titular hero, Danny Ocean, played by George Clooney, stepping into the throne, turning a little bit into. Uh, <laughs> uh, like James <laughs> <laughs> Similarities to the original end there. As, <laughs> <laughs> it with its old pal, Rusty Ryan, to rub $150 million from an underground vault that serves three of Las Vegas' biggest casinos.
1: <laughs> right, okay, we'll leave it there. I think yeah, we've yeah, got that's not enough. <laughs> I mean, I I think it's quite hard on you to uh, keep on speaking like Joe Buscrawley. I mean, fair place to Joe Buscrawley. He's been speaking like that for about 40 years. (laughs) Anyway, um, so before we kickstart the trial, I thought because, you know, there's 11 people in this group, it's quite a big cast. I'll just give a very, very brief overview of who the characters are, who play them and what their role are in the film, just in case we talk about them later on in an off-the-cuff sort of way. So, uh, Danny Ocean uh, is played by George Clooney. He is obviously the leader of the gang. He's the one that comes up with the plan. Then his right-hand man is Brad Pitt's Rusty Ryan. Uh, There's also Matt Damon, who's playing Linus Caldwell, who is the sort of the... um what, he's the pickpocket extraordinaire, isn't he? Then you've got Elliot Gould's Ruben Tishkov, who is the financier. who banks, rolls, everything. You've also got Bernie Max, Frank Catton. He's the inside man, the mole, if you will. Uh, there is Casey Affleck and Scott are playing Virgil and Terk Malloy. They are the drivers slash dog's bodies. You've got uh, Chin Xiaobo, who is Yen, who is the, what is he, Dave, the greaser. Is that Grease Man? Grease Man? <laughs> Sorry. It sounds <a>, <laughs> like an extra Grease, isn't it? He everybody before he tries. Yeah, he wears a leather jacket and hangs around the garage. Uh, then there's uh, Carl Reiner's Saul Bloom, who is sort of like a, oh, I don't know, he's like a prop, isn't he? He's, he's sent in to pretend to be a very rich businessman uh, so we can get inside the casino. Uh, then you've also got Eddie Jameson's Livingston Dell, who is the IT specialist. He's you know, the one with the communications expert. And then finally, you've got Don Cheadle's Basher Tarr, who is the explosives expert. Is that everyone? Have I missed anyone else? don't think yeah. so. Oh, right. All right, okay. Well, without further hesitation, Austin, would you like to please kick off proceedings?
5: Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, I, I feel like I had a, a much bigger plot summary than usual there. Um, somebody should have let him. Uh, oh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, what's the word? Uh, commentary in between the uh, the accents. So, can someone just give me a quick, a quick uh, like, another quick overview of the plot itself? Uh, I get the idea that it's it's a it's a heist movie. Yeah, they're going to do over some casinos. Is that the the gist of it? Yeah, it's it one casino or several, or what's the?
2: So, it, the the general idea is George Clooney's Danny Ocean. It starts off when he's in prison. Uh, he's released on parole and instantly starts to, you know, put a plan in motion and starts to find the rest of the Ocean's Eleven crew. Uh, and they, so, wow. with the Ocean's crew, there
5: they're, they're oh. a gang that were no. all put together. Now,
2: yeah. So throughout the film, they become they sort of the the crews put together for the purposes it's, of it's the heist. Particular. Yeah, okay. they know each other and there's like backstory between some of them. Some of them are new. Some of them aren't. And uh, the plan is to knock over um, three casinos in Las Vegas, which is shown in the film to be like impossible to steal anything. And the plan is to steal from three casinos on the same night. Uh, The the sort of crew comes together throughout the film. uh, And then it sort of comes out that Danny Ocean, George Clooney, uh, has ulterior motives because he's trying to get back his ex-wife, who's mentioned uh, from the person who owns the three casinos, who's Terry Benedict, played by Andy Garcia. And, uh, that sort of complicates things. And then the heist movie, it just sort of continues from there. And, you know, the heist goes through basically. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a sort of simple overarching plot, but it's a very, you know, as, as a good heist movie always is, it's got a lot of twists and turns. I I think one of the strengths of this film is that it sort of, it, you know, a, a part of what's going on, but you don't always know the whole story, And so it keeps you guessing a little bit all the way through, but you're also sort of seeing things put in place. So, you know, it's very hard, I think, especially when sometimes you've got quite a complicated story, to be following it all the way through. But the film's very clever in the way that it lets you know. You've got Linus, who is kind of, you know, sometimes, you know, if it was done poorly, it could just be exposition sort of asking what's going on. But... You know, you find out what's going on through these conversations, and you know it's just a really, really fun film. It's complicated enough to keep you guessing, and it's simple enough for you to be able to sit back and just relax and enjoy it, which is always a really hard thing, I think, for heist films to to get right. And it and it just, you know, hits a nail on the head.
5: Yeah. Um. So, so on that one, there, Gav. Um. I can see. I can see you raring a bit. to a... Uh just chomping away, ready to ready to jump in and, and contradict some. But oh, I'm one, of the things away, that, <laughs> one of the things Alex says there is that um, it is, you know, it's a, it's a rel- relatively straightforward plot. We're going to rob some banks and and somebody's going to get their wife back or their girlfriend back. Um, but it keeps you guessing enough throughout, there's enough twists and turns that it's, it's quite interesting and it's quite
1: clever. What are your thoughts yeah. there? Uh, well, firstly, that thing about getting his wife back, that's kind of... <laughs> Not part of the plot until like the end. It's like, oh, it's revealed. Hey, this is part of the plot all along. It just seems very weird and very shoehorned in or tagged on. You know, it it seems a bit unnecessary. Like his his wife will would be. Like, I, you, you don't know. I mean, like, is the reason that Danny Ocean is putting this big um, heist together? Just because Terry Benedict, the owner of the club played by Andy Garcia, is now going out with his girlfriend, who uh, you know, or sorry, his ex-wife played by Julie Roberts, or is it a case that he wants a lot of money, or is it just, you know, it's a coincidence? You know, it just happens that both of those things. You know, uh, just so happen to be in the same you know place at the same time. The, the plot, just like a lot of plot, uh, heist films, is too unnecessarily complicated. There are too many swerves in there uh, that, upon initial watch, as as Alex said before, they seem quite smart. Uh, but when you actually sit down and you think about them, they are just completely because now i'm just going to outline danny's plot so danny ocean from the beginning right this is everything that needs to happen for his plot right when you sit back at the end mm. and kind of think about it so which everyone always does work, that for a high
2: school.
1: for his plot to work from the beginning right danny knows this from the beginning it includes him meeting uh, with his ex-wife who is now the casino owner's girlfriend behind his team's back his team then finding out about this and it causing tension mm. and distrust Uh, um, amongst his team and then his role in the heist being filled by matt damon's linus then him being apprehended by benedict on the night of the robbery then being able to pay off benedict's enforcer to pretend to beat him up then revealing he was part of the robbery to his ex-wife but trusting her to pick him over her current boyfriend him getting arrested for breaching his parole and then his ex-wife getting back together with him once he's been released from prison all of that right Plus, also Linus's role, so the one uh, Matt Damon's role, the one that was originally supposed to be done by Danny, involves him pretending to be from the Nevada Gaming Commission and consulting with Benedict face to face. Now, if Danny would have kept that role originally, Benedict would have known him straight away. Uh, you know, it was just all overly and unnecessarily complicated. I think, you know, this is just typical of heist films and I think Rick and Morty summed it up perfectly in the episode about heist movies. They're just constantly trying to be smarter than they need to be and do one swerve after another or a reveal after another reveal until so you literally couldn't care less. Ocean's Eleven over oh, the pudding so much that it's not even a pudding by the end of it. It's just a bowl full of fucking runny eggs. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
5: Good one. Good one. Um, so there we go. So it, it's it's overly complicated and it's everything that's wrong with uh, heist movies. It's um it's trying to be cleverer than it needs to be. They could have just done something way simpler um and it still would have been as enjoyable. I think is what Gav's saying, but also some I'm not I entirely sure whether like you
1: were saying that movies
2: Gav more it than Ocean <laughs> 11 in particular.
1: <laughs> well you know if it didn't like heist movies before I sure fucking don't like them <laughs> now after watching Ocean's Eleven
5: um, is, uh, got anything else to add on the prosecution no. uh, about that about the the storyline about the plot about um,
0: that all, all I would say is that there's very little kind of tension because there's very little uh, kind of sense of danger if you like in a lot of the good uh, heist movies there's always a sense of danger you know will they get caught or will this guy die, whatever, you know, they, they just don't have that here. There isn't a sense of, you know, what they'll lose if it goes wrong. It's just what they've got to gain if it goes right. There's never that, um you know, kind of excitement, that edge of your seat feeling. And, you know, as Gav said, it's just kind of swerve after swerve, which uh, even if there was a, a sense of danger, which would, would, would take away from that
5: um dave what uh, on that a sense of danger a sense of um you know um we'll go for captain dave if, if that's all right and then i'll jump in with you uh uh big dave for uh no, okay. a little sway eyed side. um what do you think about that it, it, you know is there any reason to enjoy the character you know to, to love the characters do you care about where they end up to they if they mm-hmm. get caught do i do i care
4: Yeah, um, to answer answer those questions, I see where Joel's coming from. There isn't really that sense of danger that you get in many heist films that followed afterwards, but that's fine. You actually don't miss... Uh, that, that danger, you don't really need that tension, this film is is a good popcorn film, like Alex said, it's complex enough that you're interested, that it keeps you ticking along with it, that you follow the twists and turns, but it's also quite a simple film, it's a popcorn film, this is uh, very enjoyable and can be enjoyed by anyone at any time, you know, it's not got. It's not particularly, it's not a violent film um, it's not a gangster film it's very uh, easy to digest, it's very easy to get into, and there's no real threat to it, you can just sit back relax and enjoy, this is a very gentle film. It's not violent or gory, and although it's lacking in the tension, I don't think that's a bad thing. There is some tension. There's bits where um, um, Kabo Shin gets his, um, his bandage caught on the door that they're about to blow. They're about to blow the vault door and his bandage is caught on it. And there is, the, there is a moment of tension there where you're like, I hope he doesn't get hurt. And of course he doesn't. It's not that kind of film. You know, it's quite a gentle easygoing film. And I like that. I don't think that's a criticism. And with regards to the characters, yeah, you do like them. Uh, there's quite a good script. It's quite funny. and It's quite witty. And you know, this humor uh, makes the characters quite endearing. And you end up kind of liking them. You like uh, the twists and turns. You like the humor. You like the character's backstory, what you find out about them. They're likable characters. I mean, not all the time. That's that's a film for you. But it's uh, yeah, I'd say you're you're on board with these characters. You want them to succeed at the end of the day. Apart from Andy Garcia, you don't like him. Alex, <laughs> 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 I, I, I like anything to add on that?
2: Then. Yeah, just, yeah, I'd like to agree with everything Dave said there. We're, you know, it, it, this isn't trying to be like a, a, a scary film. It's not trying to be violent. It is trying to be like a nice, everyone just having a quite relaxed time. You know, I'd, I'd agree with Joel when he said there's not a lot of danger and a threat. I think the tension, though, I disagree that there's no tension. They set it up quite well in the film that the, the, the odds are so long and so impossible that it doesn't seem like, how are, you, how are they going to be able to do this? So the, the enjoyment, the tension comes from seeing them tick off these things as the film progresses in a very clever way.
5: A quick rebuttal there, Gav. He's got his hand up and then I want to go speak to uh, to Big
1: Dave, see where he lands. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah, Alex, that's complete shit, man. You know, you never at any point think that any of those characters are in any danger whatsoever. And I, I literally just said the opposite. I didn't say that. <laughs> I, I, I just said the opposite. I agree with you. <laughs> like, so well, another thing that annoys me is that um, the, the the director's concentrated so much on aesthetics. And so, I don't know, it's sort of like left the cast be, you know, themselves and it's concentrated on so much uh, like replicating that sort of 1960s aesthetic and acting uh, and letting the cast play it really cool and suave. That I don't think there's any really decent performances in this. And that adds to the fact that in no way do I ever think that any of those cast members are in peril because they're so laid back and nonchalant about like what, what, what we've been told beforehand is an impossible task. Elliot Gould said there's only been three attempts that have got anywhere near, uh, you know, actually Paying off, and all three of them ended in you know either the person dying or going to prison. So we've been told that this is an impossible task, but yet nobody at any point acts like they're even asked in the slightest bit about this. You know, apart from I'd say maybe Saul, who pretends to have a heart attack, and then you realise that he's fine. You know, uh,
5: let me let me go and speak to uh, to, to Big Dave for a second here. <laughs> Um, so there's quite a lot to, to break out there before Gav went off quite clearly into a, onto a different point before you got I to uh, weigh that, you in know, on that.
3: The...
5: <laughs> <feel> <laughs> yeah. You've had your say, the judge is speaking now, <laughs> Gav, okay, hold on. Um, so, so on now, so, so let's get, let's jump back a, a second, so it, is it, it, does it feel like it's trying to be overly complicated? Is it trying to be clever? Is it trying to, is trying to show, look how great a, a plot writer I am and how, how many twists and turns I can fit in or does it, Show the line just enough to keep you entertained.
3: Um, well, I think we can't really accuse uh, a heist film of being overcomplicated when being complicated is sort of the whole point of a heist film. You know, it's, it's, it sets the film up by saying, here's this impossible task, and then the rest of the film is how they go about breaking down each one and sort of subverting your expectations and then setting you up and knocking you down. And, okay, um, and then-
5: and on that point, so we're talking about, so they they have this impossible task and, and, and Joel and Gav mentioned, it, but actually there's no, there's no danger. There's no, and, and people seem either, you know, overly cocky or, 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 or they're so, you know, they're so cool and relaxed that, um, have got Papa here speaking cocky little shit. As <laughs> Joel's <laughs> back with his dog, <laughs> um, but but uh, on on that point then. So are, are they are they too cool considering they've got this impossible task that people could end up dead or or, or back in prison. You know, or does does well, that say like at the problem? start
3: at the start of the film we are talking about Andy Garcia. Um, I can't remember some of the character names. Sorry, so Benedict. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Benedict. Of course. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, they talk about him at the start and they say he's worth like um, three quarters of a billion. And, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't mess with this guy. Um, he'll have you killed. If you rob from him, he's going to come after you. And I was like, yeah, OK. So, there's a better threat. All these people, you know, he might not kill you. But if he catches you, going to prison is bad. <laughs> <So you're not
1: laughs> right.
3: do. okay.
5: You don't want to go to So, Gav, you had something to say just there, uh, just before we got to that point. Yeah. Need to his house. I was oh, saying
1: that, you know, like But Dave's comments about heist movies, you know, I, like that is the nature of a heist movie, but you know, this isn't a, a very well told heist movie. It's one with like, I know the nature of heist movies is like, Oh, look at this impossible task. How are they going to pull it off? And then they pull it off like any sort of mission impossible film. A lot of James Bond films, you know, you get a task, how are they going to do, do it? it? Then they do it. Oh, that's brilliant. But then, Ocean's Eleven is just like oh, and then we'll just throw in a load of shit at the end. It's sort of like oh yeah, and also he's trying to get his wife back, and also this is his plan all along, even though it involved all these impossible hurdles that never ever would have come up, even if you like mapped it out on a computer and put in all these different variables, you know, like it, it wouldn't have lined up to how it does. I just think that it, like it, it, as I said about Overeek and the puddin', it just. just tries to be too clever. It would have been great just to see how they did it, but then to tack in all the shit about Danny and the parole board and getting his wife back and screwing over Andy Garcia for personal reasons, it just felt too forced. Like It didn't need to be in it. You don't need to be that clever.
5: Uh, Alex, a lot of this stuff doesn't need to be in it.
2: it, it it's tied in all the way through and it make, it deepens the film, so the fact that that, that Julie Roberts is in it and that sort of um, messes up the plan. That's what you need in like a second half of a film. You need the the, the plan goes a little awry and you need the height. You know, it's it's very sort of straightforward high stuff, I think, to be honest. So I, I don't really see the problem with it. On the point that people were talking about when it was like, you know, the characters aren't scared, a lot of the whole aesthetic of the film is that these are really cool people. Do you know what I mean? Like George Clooney and, um, uh, you know, uh, Danny Ocean and uh, Rusty Ryan. Their whole thing is they're really cool and, you know, people at the time and, you know, now you can still enjoy it. People really loved that about the film that they were like, wow, you know, these people are, they're so suave the, the way they dress, everything, it, it, it's, it's really cool. So I think if you had them like, you know, losing their mind and going crazy and being threatened and stuff like that, you'd really lose that part of it. And that's a big part of what the film is going for. And yeah, I gets,
5: get the impression if I would put myself in the role of, you know, theoretically to be a master thief. I would only want to work with cool, calm, and collected people as well. That's exactly
1: what you also have. Still,
2: get hang on, just just one second. You, you also have people that are so so. It's a mix of people. You have got the suave pros like Frank, uh, like Frank, uh, Danny Ocean, Rusty Ryan, and like Ruben. But you've also got you know like uh, Linus is a fantastic character because he's just sort of stepping into the game as a newbie. And he's messing things up and he's not getting quite thing, things right. You know, he messes up the plan quite badly. So that that injects a little bit of, you know, this these things aren't going to plan. And, you know, uh, who else? Yeah, and Livingston Dell as well. You know, he's sort of sweaty. He's sort of... He, he sort of, like, lets you imagine how it might be to try and actually take this through. So you're not just constantly with these suave, cool and collected people. You're also getting the feeling
1: well, of Well, they take up the fucking bulk of it. You know, like, they are taking up the bulk. And, I, you know, the, the, my issue isn't, you know, about, our, you know, how suave they are. Well, it is, actually. I'm saying that, you know, like there's films where um, uh, Ethan Hunt in Mission Impossible has to do some really impossible missions. And he is... You know, uh, if uh, you'd say he was a suave character, you'd say that, you know, he has experienced some hellish things before, but yet he still shows vulnerability and he shows, you know, like you can even get like flustered or a bit, you know, anxious about doing one of these things. Whereas Danny Ocean, you know, this is a guy, this is a guy who's been arrested, who's on parole currently who has a casino owner who is like uh, got a vendetta against him and trying to get people to get him killed. He's also trying to do like an impossible job of uh, getting three banks. And he's got 10 team members lives at stake as well. And not once do you ever think that any of that crosses his mind. It's just like George Clooney in a fucking uh, cappuccino advert.
5: Uh, Joel, I saw you raise your hand there, you know, before Gav told his it, really long, convoluted uh, to, to the cappuccinos. <laughs> <laughs> they am I, I like your points there, they're very good. Uh, I thought
1: you were going to say I like those cappuccino adverts. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I do, um, I mean, what better way to get a cappuccino than on an Italian Riviera? So, exactly.
0: like George Clooney. <laughs> um, on, so I just wanted to, to talk about the... Actual kind of silliness of the of the plot, really, uh, and also the fact that really you know you're meant to be behind these guys, but essentially they're just kind of you know they're stealing, they're robbing a casino uh, just to kind of get back at uh, some guy who is now engaged or with his ex-wife, um, but the, just the whole silliness of it. You know, I realise that this is a film and, you know, you've got to take certain things for granted, but I think a lot of heist films work best when at least parts of them are believable. You know, Gav's mentioned several times about how it's kind of drilled into you that uh, it's meant to be impossible, Uh, you know, that people have tried to do it, they failed, you you see like little clips of those past attempts as well. Um, And, you know, Not For One Second does really anybody in the crew that they get together think, you know, what am I doing here? But, like, why am I even attempting to do this when it's been told it is impossible? And some of them like kind of say, oh, you know, uh, when they try and recruit them, he's like, oh, you know, what's the job? And he'll explain and then I'll be like, well, that sounds impossible. And, you know, Brad Pitt or George Clooney are just kind of shrug and be like, you know, yeah, but we're, we're, we're that good. But if they were that good, then you know they could go and do anything why not why stop at three casinos why not go and fucking rob the biggest bank in the world for 10 billion dollars there's just never this kind of sense of you know proper realism that you get in all the all the best heist movies and without it it is just kind of like a, a fairy tale it's almost you know, as if you expect George Clooney to wake up at the end in his prison bed, um, and he's soiled his pants dreaming about this heist. Because really, it's you know, it's it's, not, it's nothing more than that. It's just a ridiculous uh, kind of. Uh, you know, I don't know, succession of events, I would say. And then moving on to the actual uh, kind of film overall, I would say three quarters of the film is literally planning the heist, recruiting all these people. And maybe the last quarter is just the heist itself. So it's very kind of slow moving. And there's a lot of kind of filler stuff there as well. And I just think that maybe they could have trimmed down the fat and the kind of like walking around trying to look cool. Um, you know, as Brad Pitt and George Clooney often do. And you'd probably have a whole, you know, lot better of a film. Uh,
5: Captain Dave, can you just come back on that? Uh, th- th- it's unrealistic. It's You know, we've talked about it being, um, it, you know, it is a story. It's But Joel's saying it's un- unrealistic, it's slow, and, and it could easily have just been, you know, uh, Danny Ocean's dream.
4: And I think that's a step too far. It's far-fetched for sure it's a far-fetched story Uh, to say that it could be a fairy tale or a dream is a step too far I think it's uh, it's not quite that that unbelievable it's a fantastic story and I mean that in the truest sense of the word it is fantastic you know it's uh, it's a push you know but um, that's what makes it so entertaining if it was just so plausible it could have that it could have been a documentary almost where's the fun in that if it was actually the Bellagio uh, vault and like a map of the of these different casinos and how they pull them if it was that real Realistic, it it wouldn't be the, have the same fun to it. It needs to have this kind of uh, far fetched element to it to make it enjoyable, and it really is enjoyable in that respect.
5: Yeah, okay. Um, once I like that. I think I've got enough about the plot. Is that it, it's you know one, one hand it, it it's over the top. It's completely over the top. It's a you know it's a load of guys who it sounds a little bit like they gone in 60 seconds get a dream team together to rob you know all of the cars you fucking love um, in, in, in this seconds, sense it's
2: a great film yeah as it's as well, well, isn't it
5: is there's, no, there's nothing I like more than a Nicholas K I don't think there's this a yet.
1: single film that you haven't been able to compare to Gone in 60
2: seconds <laughs> <laughs> hocus pocus I mean, but that was compared to Lolita so <laughs> <laughs> it, you know I,
5: I, Gone in 60 seconds is a classic heist movie and, and if this is if it, this is half as good as Gone in 60 seconds you know where it's
2: landing man It's three quarters.
5: (laughs) (laughs) So um, what about the way it's shot? You know, Gav talked about style over substance there. Um, I wanna I wanna just just speak on that. Is that if we've got these fantastical casinos, we've got is it and and, and, you know, Joel's talking about three quarters of the film is just planning, you know planning a movie, planning a anything is pretty boring. So how do you how do they dress that up? How do they how, how does that look? How's that shot? Anyone pr- def- defense, please. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: right, uh, i go, Alex go for it.
2: Well, it's Steven Soderbergh, and I really like, I really really like Steven Soderbergh as a director. And you know, I think this film, you know, a lot of what Joel says about the filler, I think is what I find the most entertaining about the film. Like, I'm not really into heist films that much, to be honest. Like, following the convoluted plots and trying to guess—that's not not really my thing. What I really like about Ocean's Eleven is this little bits that you have in between the characters. It feels like a lot of A lot of the lines uh, by Virgil Malloy and Turk Malloy, you know, Casey Affleck and Scott Kahn, they're they're ad libbed. A lot of them were improvised. There's lovely little touches throughout the film um, that are really, really nice that you can see. I think you get the impression and looking at the trivia it's true. People enjoyed making this film. Like the actors had a good time making this film. Like they actually enjoyed themselves. And that really comes through. Like there's a lot of fun in it. And the, the whole aesthetic of it is is really interesting so the way it's shot is it's quite grainy sometimes it's kind of handheld camera but not to the point where it's not like cloverfield where it's no you know stomach churning it's really really well shot and i think it it does a nice job of not making it too grand you know it's set in las vegas so the way it's shot could have made it look absolutely you, know, you could have had all the villas and it could have been, it looked so impressive it's not even believable but actually it's a lot of like there's a lot of shots of roads. So there's a lot of shots of like car parking places. And there's a lot, I don't know. So it's, it's kind of look, looks like it's grounded in the real Las Vegas. So I, you know, a lot of what the, you know, things have been talked about. It being too fantastical. I think just the way the movie shot, the way it does focus on the characters and allow this nice interplay between what, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about before an incredible cast. That's what you want. You you don't want a film. That's just rattling through different plot points. You want to have these nice scenes where, you have the characters interacting and allowing these actors to have a nice, a nice little bit of repartee between each other.
5: Uh, Gaff, fire back at that one, please.
1: I, I just think it's overproduced. I think it's trying way too hard to be cool, like a ridiculous amount. There's the, you know, the laid back performances of the cast. I don't know whether they're intentional, whether they've been told to do that by the director or that's just by choice by the actors. Uh, you've got the sort of the fashion, the 60s aesthetics, the music. It's, it's like, it's just trying to be an homage to the original um, film or whether it's just trying to be an homage to the Rat Pack or, you know, 1960s sort of Las Vegas and it just spends so much time doing that and less time being its own thing. Uh, Soderbergh, there, there are some really good shots in this. There's a really good shot uh, where, um, Andy Garcia blows up a casino cause he's going to build something on that site later on. And there's a big crowd and all the crowd turn around. And the only two people who are not turning around are George Clooney and Matt Damon. And I was like, wow, that's a fantastic shot. You don't see a lot of stuff like that. Uh, and I, I, Uh, but that's just one instance. And I'm like, if there was just more stuff like that, it was very well directed. Uh, then I probably would have enjoyed it more but the, a lot of it is just like slapdash one minute he's doing like really artistic shots like that another one he's doing like these really sort of long drawn aerial shots like the beginning of Psycho or you know the beginning of The Shining or the times he's doing like really fast cut sort of Guy Ritchie type things you know when uh, for example when Matt Damon's Linus character is introduced it just feels out of nowhere it feels like you know those adverts where they say you wouldn't steal the car you wouldn't steal the <laughs> bag it's like that it's like you know what it's just very odd wouldn't, it, you wouldn't rob a casino <laughs> yeah <laughs> <like> three casinos. <laughs> but um, yeah it's a, it's it's just a bit all over the place and I think the the thing is is that um, it, it's it's not very focused for me and it feels more like a, a tribute act than an original.
5: So you mentioned that so is this a remake of, a, of an old film sorry I'm sorry for my ignorance but this is a, uh, this isn't the the, the original
4: yeah, no, there was uh, a 1960s Ocean's Eleven made uh, with Frank Sinatra and a lot of the other Rat Pack in uh, in the main role. So um, Okay, and
5: that's, so that's where Gav's, Gav's uh, line there, that it that it's maybe trying to tie back into that coolness of the original, so it doesn't want to be so far away.
4: Yeah, so there's, but there is a bit of a, a tribute element to it. I wouldn't say it drives the film or it drives the character direction. Uh, it's quite clear that... Clooney must have seen Sinatra's performance and has taken that. I mean, even when you meet him, when he's first discharged from prison, he's wearing a tuxedo with the bow tie undone. Nothing screams Rat Pack quite like that. It's, a little, it's quite a subtle nod to the Rat Pack. And I think he's, he's viewed for Sinatra's performance in the original, and he's taken elements of it to create this character or maintain the character of Danny Ocean that we've seen before. Um, so yeah, although it goes in a completely different line, it's very much modernized. I mean, I think the only thing that really dates the film now are the flip phones, uh, as opposed to the phones that they'd all be sporting 20 years down the line but um it's not really nothing really ages the film or dates the film other than that i wouldn't say but it's um it's very much its own film and very much a a modern take as it would have been for 2001 on the okay. original story from the 60s okay uh big, big dave tall dave this is, yeah, I just wanted uh, is, to... is it
5: beautifully shot is it oh go and carry what would you
3: Okay, I, kind of, I kind of agree with um, a lot of what Gavin was saying. There was nothing that really like, stood out a lot. But what Dave was just saying about it, looking dated, the flip phones, there was one bit that just really jarred, and it's the scene where they introduce Matt Damon, where he's on the train, and it's doing that like really, really 2001-y sort of, um, I don't know how you describe it, it's like low frame rate almost. It looks yeah, like yeah, a yeah. video. Yeah, yeah, it was like the Matrix or something. Yeah, um, it's odd, it's isn't it? So there's little bits of it that are kind of not, you know, uh, look a bit dated.
1: It is, is
5: the much uh, in the way of it? I mean it strikes me as though there wouldn't be the much of, you know, filmic effect in this. It sounds as though it's almost a drama rather than a, you know, rather than it's not an action
0: film. It's a you know, it's almost yeah, I, think, of a, I think there I think is so. like much CGI and things like that. I think a lot of it mm. was just done on set. Obviously there's um there's little bits of bobs and things like that and it, I wouldn't say it's too noticeable. Um, but just kind of moving on from that point, I would just kind of like to uh, kind of move over to the cast, if that's okay. So yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, Gav at the start of this episode just did a kind of quick reel off of the amount of characters that we've got. And that's all well and good, but obviously, you know, with that amount of people, none of them really get the chance to shine. Um it's something that kind of, you know, films have improved on, I think, as, as time has gone on, the fact that when you've got like an ensemble cast giving everybody an opportunity to kind of maybe showcase their skills and that type of thing, because, you know, George Clooney is not really the kind of George Clooney that, you know, we used to. He's just very bland and uh I would say uh, almost too confident. Uh, Brad Pitt is literally, you know, we say it so many, so many times, but he's just Brad Pitt. You know, it, it, if he put on seven, it's the same type of Brad Pitt. Um, uh, does he
5: have an Irish accent? On this,
0: he? he does. Yeah, no, he doesn't. Uh, <laughs> then you've got like uh, you know, Matt Damon. Uh, I just think the role kind of took away from. Matt Damon's kind of acting abilities as well, kind because of, he plays the kind of really unsure, uh, very nervous, uh, almost the second in command to to Danny Ocean, George Clooney. Um, again, it doesn't really get to kind of showcase his acting abilities. And then you know you've got Julia Roberts, who just kind of seems sh- horn- shoehorned in. Sorry, because there's so many lads in there. Uh, you know, it's basically a sausage fest of a film. Uh, you know, part of that is probably down to one you know, the original material and to the time that it was released. You know, we have moved on fairly rapidly since then. Uh, But I do think she could have been given, you know, a more important role in terms of what she adds to the film rather than just being, you know, she's obviously, obviously meant to be a very pretty kind of sexy character, you know, to kind of tempt uh, both Danny Ocean and um, Terry Benedict, Andy Garcia's character, into you know, kind of fighting over almost, and that is pretty much her entire role in the film. Um, so, yeah, just to kind of sum up the casting characters, there's obviously a lot of them, that's part of the material, but I just don't think that the film handled it very well at all.
5: you um, So, on, on that point, then I'm going to throw this down to uh, Captain Captain Dave. Are you on... It, it is, you know, it looks like a star-studded cast there, you know, the the, the real, uh, the real off, you know, George Clooney, Brad Pitt, uh, Matt Damon, Julia Roberts. Um, huge, huge, huge names and Joel saying that they just don't get enough time. Uh, three quarters of it is, you know, based around people doing, you know, suave acts and, and planning a heist. So you don't actually get to, nobody really gets to shine, is that? How, how do you go about that? Is that because of the... Uh, is that the acting itself or is that the the you know what what's going on there is that is Joel just spouting rubbish or mm-hmm.
4: Um, I, I wouldn't have seen it the way Joel described it. I see where he's coming from now, but I would never have thought of it that way. Um, I'd say there is plenty of time for the actors to shine, in particularly, uh, George Clooney. I would say, although she's not in it anywhere near as much, Julia Roberts. Uh, I would say Andy Garcia as Terry Benedict gives a very good performance. I'd say Elliot Gould, although he's not, he's not given as much screen time, gives a very good comic performance, some good light relief. Carl Reiner also gives a good performance here. Those, some of the actors like, uh, are given, although they're not given as much screen time as others, I mean, with 11 members of this this uh, Troop of Thieves, how can they all have decent amounts of screen time? You know, some people have got to be like lesser characters, of course. And those that are lesser characters make the most of the little they are given. I mean, Joel says that Matt Damon was wasted. I don't think that's true. Bear in mind, this was nearly 20 years ago. Matt Damon was not the megastar that he would go on to become a few years after this. This is one of the, those roles that he had to move into. This is one of the roles that showed people that he He could be... It, to use the old, old 1960s term, leading man material, and that he could do bigger things. This is one of the stepping stones for Matt Damon's career, and it was a good one that he made. Um, Brad Pitt is Brad Pitt. I'm not really a fan of, of Brad Pitt, and I think Steven Soderbergh handled yeah. Brad Pitt very well in this film by always giving him food. If you look in every scene Brad Pitt is in, <laughs> yeah, in every scene he's in, he's got a prawn cocktail in the lobby, he's got an espresso, he's got a prop to interact with and act with. So apparently, apparently someone yeah, else Okay. Pitt doesn't shut down. Pitt just indulges in his espresso, or he's eating crisps or something. He's got something to do, so he's engaged. And I think thats that is a master move by Steven Soderbergh at, at how to deal with an actor that probably the producer's forced upon you. And that's how you. And that you know what? And Brad Pitt's all right in this. This isn't a bad performance. It's not a great performance because it's Brad Pitt. But this isn't bad. He doesn't detract from the film. And that, and then not having Brad Pitt not detract from your film. Well played, Steven Soderbergh. I'd say, but. Uh, I'd say the majority of the cast; those that are given plenty of screen time use it well. Those that are given very little screen time use it well. They're likable characters. They're well-written characters. I, it, it's not the same technique
1: that like parents do to rarity kids, they just them, like <laughs> an iPhone or something? Or
4: something yeah, pretty much. It's the it's the equivalent <laughs> of him putting like Farmville on his tablet and just like there you go, mate. <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh. Fantastic. All right. Um, should we? Can we? Can we wrap it up on it? You know, let's have a very short short couple of points
1: go on I've got some i got some big points here that we haven't discussed I'm sorry alright so
5: let's hear let's see these big points if one of them is about the lack of women in the film I think that's already been touched on by Joel oh, no, and it said has that not it's been just touched a remake on no, of no,
3: it,
1: no, been, so I, I'm sorry that is a piss poor excuse you're telling me that there needed to be 11 dongs in this film there is no need to way. be but it's a remake no, 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 of another film so yeah, what I'm are you going to do you know, remake right, it fully with 11 women no, no, uh, here's one for you. None of those characters... I didn't see any donks in to the be. film. It's, yeah. not like, it's, it's not like Matt Damon's dick can unlock uh, you know, <laughs> a, a locked door in the casino. There's no reason for him to be <laughs> men. You know, there's, no, there's no reason. You could have literally had to, a mix... Of, of, of genders there, like the, I don't understand why they, they couldn't. You know, he's
0: pretty skilled though. There's you know, there's no reason why he's. He 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 maybe, he maybe
1: maybe he was the only one though. But like, <laughs> I, I just want to talk about Julia Roberts's character, uh, yeah. Tess Ocean. So Danny Ocean's ex-wife, who's now living with um, Terry, uh, whatever the you know, the casino owner. Um, it, it, her character is just truly awful. They, all the substance and structure of like a tower made out of yogurt. Uh, you have one of the most talented actresses of the past 40 years and you resort to, to basically a possession like on, I, I, I'm, I'm being serious you could literally take her character out and replace it with like a TV or, or a car and it would be exactly the same it's just two men fighting over it, uh, and they even reference it right at the very end of the film where Rusty picks Danny up from prison and says I have your personal possessions in the back of the car and he looks in and it's Julie Roberts sat there with a handbag and he's like oh great uh, and you know it, it, it's it's I just think it's just so shitty the fact that you know that they have Julia Roberts such a fantastic actress and they resorted to this she like she hardly has any lines she's essentially just a possession that is just you know getting fought over by two men I, I read a bit of trivia as well that Clooney and the gang would do pranks on their uh, Roberts throughout including leaving 5am wake up calls when she wasn't on the set it's just like that oh that come on was... you're
2: not saying that what like they were being misogynistic
1: towards on set, set. Is, is that, that what you Sounds like Big Dick Energy Boys Club. It's oh, come on.
3: Sort of like I, think, uh, right. I know um, uh, George Clooney got a bumper sticker that said, fuck cops, and put it on what's you call his bumper. And I was thinking, if he'd done it to Don Jeter, he'd be dead. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: like, as Joel said earlier, the whole thing is one big circle, jerk Sausage Fest. You know, there's two female characters in the entire movie who have lines. One of them is a stripper and the other one is essentially you know a fucking uh, a coat
4: rack you know uh, you're not telling me <laughs> I uh, think you'll find the croupier at the start has lines yeah. I'm sorry
3: I forgot,
4: I forgot another, another female character but like you know this is
1: 2001 you know it wasn't 1960 you know like there were films that were getting made that had you know uh, strong female characters or just any female characters in who, who had lines you're not telling me that one of fucking Scott Kahn or the other one you know the, one of them couldn't have been a, a woman or Elliot Gould or you know Brad Pitt anybody you know it's it, the whole thing is just ridiculous.
5: Um, I'm going to give you a chance to fire back at some of that I mean I, I, th- I don't think anyone's going to disagree that you could you can say this about any film that there's a, there's a real chance to have gender diversity throughout I- I- in a film if you are if you can be bothered to put the energy in. If, feels a little bit like and i don't want to preempt a judgment here but it feels a little bit like uh was being lazy to remake uh, um oceans 11 almost exactly with the same you know the same feel the same same number of men essentially it's the same story it's not been
2: rewritten but no it's not the same story though it is i mean none of the characters apart from danny ocean are from the original so they're all okay. different And I do, you know, obviously I I agree with Gav, like, you know, Judy Roberts is a possession in it and there should have been more women in it. And I wish there had been, um, I still, you know, I still like the characters that are in it though. I still think they're good, original, interesting characters. It could have been better yeah. And I think if it was made now, you know, 2001 isn't that long ago, you know, maybe things should have been better, but it was 20 years ago. So, you know, it's not the same world that we live in now. Um, but I, I do think the characters that are there are interesting and original, and 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 well done, and interestingly done in the short time that they're they're on screen. And again, I think a big thing is because when you've got an ensemble cast like that, when you've got all these, you know, big big egos probably on set, I think it's quite good that they all came together and actually didn't steal scenes from each other and like work together really well to make it a fun film, which it is you know it's it, like all the way through this. And I think Steven Soderbergh said this about the film. The intention was to make just a fun film. And I think pretty much every scene has something in it that you find interesting or that you like about how the characters talk to each other or something that happens. So, yeah, I, I do agree with Gav. Like, I don't think you can really argue that, yeah, there should have been more women in it. But, you know, I, I still think you can look at the film and enjoy what it is still.
5: Yeah. OK. Um, Dave, anything to add on that? Or
4: Uh, I agree completely with what Alex said. Uh, Gav is right. Gav's not making up a point there. It's a very male-heavy cast. And I think you hit the nail on on the head when you said maybe Soderbergh didn't want to disrespect the original, uh, or he was worried about disrespecting the original, and that's why he stayed within these confines of casting. It would have been great if he'd branched out a bit and uh, maybe got some more women into the cast as well. And I think if this film was made 20 years on, as in now, absolutely we would not see a cast like this. It would be far more diverse. It's regrettable to look back on, but at the end of the day, it doesn't affect the fact that this is an enjoyable film and this is a fun film. And, and also you got to remember that, um, there has been another oceans film made, you know, this, everyone knew that when this film came out, it was all like a bit of a male heavy cast. And then oceans 12, even though they added Catherine Zeta Jones to that one, it's it's still a very male heavy cast. And that's why they just basically went back to basics and they did their own oceans film. With women uh, doing their yeah, own heist. That's what, I,
5: that's what I was joking at before. But I've always been flipping mm. with Gav when I said that. But yeah, it's
1: a, <laughs> uh, Gav, your little roundup point there. I, I, I would just disagree with Alex when he said that all the characters were interesting and they, they have like any sort of... I don't know, I'm just saying that like a couple of them have development and have like a backstory and have a real like solid character, but all this, you know just kind of... Well, there's 11 people it's hard to give each character so much substance so a lot of them you don't really find out that much about the backstory they don't have any real developments, and you, they don't really have anything interesting to their um, character I don't think
5: um, Dave not Captain Dave Lieutenant Dave Commander in <laughs> Chief Dave yes, sir. Um, on that note then so um, we don't need to talk I think, I think we're all agreed that there could have been more women in the thing but on characters generally do you think they're you know fleshed out enough you know there's 11 people so it's, it's tough to flesh everyone out let do a quick, I, quick yes or no
3: I you? kind of agree I think um, a couple of characters could have been combined yeah. um, but apparently they wanted to have even more people in it originally I think Owen Wilson was meant to be in it um, Bruce Willis Wow. Uh, a couple of others, so I don't know where they would have gone. Um, no, as those... Presumably do. replace the women.
2: Bruce Willis would have been Danny Ocean. I don't think they were... I
3: yeah, know, no, no, no well, like,
2: different asking. people.
3: Um, oh, who knows?
5: Yeah, I'm going to Google that separately. Okay, Just very yeah, quickly, I'm,
3: I want to say, I know there were no women in the film, but I was also disappointed that uh, in a film about Las Vegas, there were no tigers, no chimps.
5: Yeah, I mean yeah, I right. looking forward to watching this after watching the Tiger King. I thought, yes, Las Vegas, I'm gonna get <laughs> the- yeah, at least these guys win.
4: in the real in the flesh, you know. But, <laughs> yeah. but to be fair, Siegfried and Roy do cameo. Okay, as does as does right. Wayne Newton, so
5: Okay, I get, get my tiger <laughs> yeah, yeah. in some way. <laughs> somebody got a somebody got a quiz this time. Is it you, Joel?
0: Uh, certainly I have so I kind of quickly put this together before but it's about um, heist films um, so it may be quite tough you know I'm not too sure I just kind of got uh, some random shit that happened in films and put it in a quiz so question one what condition does baby have in baby driver
5: stuck in the corner tinnitus, <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, tinnitus. yeah
0: Tinnitus, oh. yeah. um, okay, so what aren't the gang members supposed to tell each other in Reservoir Dogs? And you've got uh, to get uh, the full the answer. Wow. And dreams. So that's part of the answer, Gav. <laughs> um, it's very similar to names, to be honest. Age. I'll give you that. So it's names and biographical information. So, question three. uh, What chess piece does. uh, I can't even remember her name. I think it's. uh, Oh, Hang on. A knight. Uh, We'll we'll skip (laughs) to question four. I need to reject that one. So, in Three Kings, what country are they stealing the gold from? Um, Iraq. No, it's not Iraq. Afghanistan. Kuwait. Kuwait. Well done. Yeah. Uh, So. This one's a bit more relevant. Who was the last man recruited of the Ocean 11 gang? Matt Damon. Matt Damon is correct. So the question from before, um, so in Inception, like each one of the kind of characters that go into the dreams, they have um, what's called, I think it's they call it like a, a totem.
4: Uh, yes. You know,
0: so Leonardo DiCaprio spins the little... Uh, sewing yeah, yeah. thing to make sure that, you know, that... Well, right. uh, so what does Ellen Page's character make to make sure that she knows she's not dreaming? chess, chess piece. piece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what chess piece is it? A queen. Uh, a bishop. Is it is, it's a bishop. Well done. Oh, Bash of the Bishop. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why she made it, so Bash the Bishop. Um, okay, <laughs> so true or false, Heat mocked the first time that Pacino and De Niro... ...appeared on screen together at the same time. True. True, boss. True. What are you going with, Daves? True. 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 Just waiting for Dave. It's correct. They never actually (laughs) shared any (laughs) scenes together in The Godfather, so... Um, So, Mm -hmm. Point Break is famously parodied in which comedy action film? Hot Fuzz. 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 Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz is correct. Um what character does Jason Statham play in the Italian job? Oh, oh, oh it's <laughs> <laughs> isn't his name like Frenchie or something? No, no. It's a, you'll you'll kick yourself when you hear it. Anyone? No. no. Nothing. Handsome Rob. <laughs> <laughs> oh I am kicking myself. Uh, so <laughs> what is the name of the bad guy in Ant Man? Uh, Bootman, (laughs) 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 magnifying glass.
3: Do you mean the uh, (laughs) the name of the guy or the name of the? So
1: his yellow jacket.
0: Yellow jacket. Uh, Uh, So uh, this one, you've got to give me two answers. Um, How old were Bonnie and Clyde when they died?
4: Thirty-eight and (laughs) (laughs) twenty-eight. Twenty-five and eighteen.
0: Close. Big Dave, do you want to guess any? Um, I was thinking he's old. I'm going to say he's 28 and she was 21. Okay, so uh, Bonnie was 19 and Clyde was 21. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then just a the bonus question. Um, what is Hobbs's first name? From fast and furious it is luke the absolutely sad bastard why do you even know
3: that <laughs> oh,
5: well then thanks for that, that a good quiz. <laughs> <laughs> um so i'm gonna crack on with my uh my deliberation that was a good quiz thanks man um that was surprisingly tough actually. Um to, to try and come up with something. It it sounds like there's no real jeopardy. Um there were a few moments where I thought, well, oh, actually, you know, maybe maybe it's a bit lazy from Soderbergh. Uh, uh, you know, it's overly complicated. It's um even you know, even the defence suggested that it's a you know, popcorn film. Often a popcorn film means there's not a great deal of substance to it and it's um, you know, again leads into the laziness. But uh I don't know, there was a few bits that... I, I kind of like the idea of it being impossible to steal. Like a film that uh, attempts to just be stylish without, uh, you know, without necessarily trying to, trying to push much on the, on the action front. Um, sorry, I just uh, lost my note. Um, and I think I can forgive the you know, maybe the, the, the lack of, of gender diversity... Because of the, you know, the original characters. I think we, you know, they, they are original. They are, um, you know, and it seems like it was well shot, and it felt like it's actually in, in Las Vegas. Um, I don't know. I was tempted to give it a pass and, and throw it on the hit list, but I think it's just gonna just gonna sneak onto the shit list <laughs> due to a lack of. Uh, it seems like a lack of substance.
2: Shocking.
3: Yeah, I'm sorry, Oof. guys. What, what well, kind of
5: substance? I do you think's missing? Like a message? It should be trying to. <laughs> steal I, I, well, bad? I don't know. It, it, I think this is a really tough one for me. It feels like it's it, it. feels like it'd be a nothing film almost. A film that I could watch quite quite happily watch it. But it's not a hit. It's just a it's just a film, an easy-ish film. And I know I've put other films like this on the hit list, but uh, yeah, today it's going on the shit list. Sorry. <laughs>
1: sorry um okay so uh genuine opinions so starting with uh joel
0: um i quite like it you know i think watching it back from 2001 now there are like kind of problems with it and stuff but um it is a good kind of film to just kind of you know zone out and watch for two hours or whatever it's um Like the first time you watch it, it's not kind of too obvious, I would say, as to what is going to happen. So I think it will probably go on the hit list for me. But, you know, Ozzy's probably the perfect person to judge these because he hasn't seen them and he's not swayed by, like, you know, biased reviews and that type of thing.
4: Yeah, uh, similar
1: to Joel. I mean, I, I I think I enjoyed it, to be honest. I mean, I was watching it the whole time, just thinking, like, there's too many people in this fucking crew. I know that the original was 11, but, you know, like, uh, if none of the characters are the same and none of the names are the same, did the numbers have to be the same as well? And, you know, did the genders have to be the same also? I was just, the entire time, I was just thinking, like, why can't any of these just be played by women? It's just a bit, you know, it did keep on annoying me. And towards the end, it did feel like it was a little bit silly with the amount of swerves. But on the whole, I agree with what Dave said when he said, you know, it is sort of like a good popcorn film. You can literally just turn your mind off and just watch it, you know. And, you know it was enjoyable. Uh, yeah, so, Alex? yeah, uh, Alex?
2: Yeah, no, I really like this film. Um, again, just agreeing with what everyone said. It's just a nice, easy watch. Not really going to, you know, tax you too much. And I really like the little, the little bits in between the characters is what makes it for me. I, I don't really... You know, heist movies, I'm not that bothered about the twists and turns, to be honest. I want to see the interaction between characters, and I think this is, this nails it. So, yeah, I would have put it on the hit list myself.
1: And finally, Captain Dave. Oh, sorry, Big Dave as well, sorry.
4: <laughs> um, I I really liked it. Really enjoyable, uh, gentle, like I say, popcorn film. Don't really need to overthink it too much. Doesn't need to be anything special. And I guess it's not really, but it's uh, it sparked a lot of heist films, which came out after this one, but just because of the popularity of this. Yeah, really enjoyable film. Not without its problems, but it is 20 years old. Yeah, I enjoyed it, though. And uh, what did you reckon, Big Dave?
3: Yeah, i say I think... Uh because it's one of the quintessential uh, heist movies. Um, it's dated a little bit, but I think overall, yeah, it looks great. And I think it informs a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff that's been doing that, uh, being done now.
5: Well, fortunately, I'm not going anywhere for uh, next week, <laughs> at least. <laughs> so, uh, so I will have plenty of time to watch it. Um, and, and maybe it sounds like I've got it on the wrong list, but I'll, uh, I'll watch it with an open mind and see.
1: Yep. See how it goes. I forgot to say, obviously, uh, Films on Child, coal on lockdown is uh, still ongoing. <laughs> on
4: you need to stop <laughs> calling it the coal on
1: lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the case. <laughs> okay, so... Um, yeah, well, I put it up on Twitter over the weekend and asked our friends and followers, which list, oh, sorry, I should actually say beforehand, do you think it was higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which was <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja <laughs> which got oh, 40% of Rotten oh, Tomatoes? Higher. It's got
4: to go be higher. 75, 80,
0: baby. I, think maybe I reckon nine. in the 80s. Ninety, uh, Yeah, eighty is a it's right. <thing.
1: laughs> Each to their own, Joel. Okay, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it actually got eighty-two. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Brucey went idiotic. Eighty-two <laughs> percent <laughs> <laughs> of rotten tomatoes, but it's still very uh, what certified fresh or whatever you call it. So uh, yeah, um, and it just beat. The audience score for Teenage Mutant Ninja Tales, which was 81, uh, was just completely <laughs> mental. Uh, anyway, uh, I put up a, toll, uh, a poll on Twitter over the weekend and asked our friends and followers... I
0: hope you didn't put up a toll.
1: <laughs> I, t- I did put up a toll for our poll um, and I asked uh, our friends and followers to list... Which uh, to, to to decide which list Ocean's Eleven should be placed on 81% of them said the hit list, so it's very close to the actual Rotten Tomato score there uh, and just before we adjourn the case uh, it's time to do a little caption contest um, so what we do here I don't know why I did that, it's too early I'm, I've completely thrown myself <laughs> off um, what we do here is we take a screenshot of the film and we place it on Twitter and ask our friends and followers to provide a funny caption with the best one winning, you guessed it a frog-shaped chocolatey treat. Okay, you guys have just got to decide which one the best one is out of the following. Number one, I should actually say what the fuck the picture is. I'm getting completely thrown off here. The picture is uh, the Oceans lads disguised as SWAT team members leaving the casino with loads of duffel bags marked with the letter X. And you guys have just got to decide the best one out of Number one, for the time being, the producers of XXX prequel decided to keep the cast a mystery. <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, because I should say there's three bags on display, so three X's. Anyway. Um, and uh, the second one is it's just a, a, a clip of uh, exhibit X, go and give it to you, go and give it to you, X, yeah, whatever. Uh, anyway. Um, the next one is these bags were not social distancing. <laughs> uh, That's sort of a bitch with the Y is late again. <laughs> <laughs> next one is howie mandel's new tv show uh for <laughs> reference harry mandel um is the presenter of america's deal or no deal uh, anyway uh, is he really he is yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but ultimate one is when tic-tac-toe gets serious <laughs> and <laughs> that one is bags of love and kisses
3: oh
0: hmm Tic
1: Tac Toe. Tic yeah, tac Okay, take, take, take congratulations take, take, take. to Geek Elite Media. You have just won yeah. yourselves a flippity freddo. Okay, so uh, the next film has been picked out of the hat at random, and it is Cloud Atlas. Uh, now, I don't know much about this film I don't know much about the book that it's based on the only thing I know about it is that Hugh Grant's in it in ridiculous makeup um, so I look forward to watching it uh, just to say that the roles have been picked out of the hat at random so in defence it's going to be uh, Joel and Alex in prosecution is going to be myself and Dave which means that the judge is going to be Ozzy <laughs>
3: <Yeah. laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh,
5: and, could go anyway this one guys
1: <laughs> and uh, yeah hopefully maybe a big Dave will be joining us again uh, so just to say thank you to everybody who listens to this episode if you liked the episode please remember to like share and subscribe and why not leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts because you know if you've got free time at the moment that is anyway uh, just spread the warm love that is film's on trial as many years as possible follow us on all social media Twitter Facebook Instagram whatever films on trial. you get the picture anyway that is it the case has been adjourned <laughs> whatever what, what have we just done oceans 11 what does it end That's on close. the shit list the, sh- the shit list okay well we're gonna be in your ears next week with cloud atlas
4: goodbye everyone. <laughs>